Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com. Welcome to the Legendarium. Today we're bringing back one of our favorite guests, Dr. Matt Woolley, clinical psychologist from the University of Utah. He's going to be talking about comic books, especially how comic books help kids develop reading skills. Now, Todd leaves halfway through this podcast, and Ryan is half asleep through the whole thing, so we'll see how this goes. It's Saturday, and Ryan is very, very excited to be here. If there's a bright, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> if there's a bright center to the there's universe, a bright center of time to the universe. We're on the hour that it's furthest from. <laughs> <laughs> I like that reference. Um, yes, it is. It is Saturday morning. We are shaking things up. Ryan foolishly stayed up with his fellow cast members uh, till what was it? Two a.m. You went to sleep at three. Yeah, about two a.m. Knowing that we would be recording at eight a.m. So. I'm very excited for the fireworks show on my left. <laughs> I I left at one. I just want everybody to be clear. I left at one and encouraged them all to do the same. Because you're a responsible adult, right, Todd? No, because I'm the director. Oh, and right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I wasn't a cast member. Um, well, okay. So the reason we're doing this at eight is not on accident. It's because we need to do this show so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited for this. Uh, bringing back uh, Dr. Matt Woolley, uh, who we all know and love from our previous episode on fairy tales. Good morning. Thank you, Matt, for I being I think it's here. my fault that we're here so early. Oh, no. It's not your fault. <laughs> um, it's it's our honor. Well, I appreciate you guys accommodating me. Um, no, this is... Saturdays it, at my house are busy, and we just... This was the only time. No, this is cool. Yep. Plus, I'm, Real plays tonight, so I won't be missing that. Yeah. Who are they playing? Uh, isn't it San Jose? San Jose. Yeah. Okay. Ryan's going to be missing that, but I'm sure it's going to be streaming on the backstage. Well, we have four soccer games today. Oh, jeez. Oh, Three for kids <laughs> and and one for Real, so. Um, well, maybe we ought to get started then. We're going to dive right in because I know Todd is going to be jetting about halfway through. Yes. So, let's introduce the topic. Uh, today we're talking about comic books. Hello! Yay! <laughs> um, comic books are an interesting subject for me. Uh, I'll just give you guys a quick rundown. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to tell you this. I've never read a comic book. What? Unless, you know, as as commonly understood, you know, I've read things like uh, Catherine Hobbs was a big one. So kind of comic strips uh, were a big thing for me when I was a kid. You know, far side comics were, were big. Of course I read the Sunday funnies and all that stuff, but, um, you know, so I kind of got, you know, I got a little Spider-Man in my life that way through the Sunday paper. But as far as sitting down and reading an actual comic book, I've never done it. It was not a part of my life. And and so this, one of the reasons that this uh, podcast, this episode is appealing to me so much is I want to know if it's something that I ought to dive into or, you know, if it's something that uh, that I just need to have ready for my kids. Hmm. You know what I mean? But we have Todd here, who is a comic book encyclopedia. He's a freak <laughs> of comic books. So. A little bit. Awesome. A little bit of a freak. 
What about you, Ryan? You didn't read comics much when you were a kid, did you? No, no, I didn't. I pretty much my parents were certain that it was of the devil, so I didn't get it. Well, that's true. Ah, that's true. Yeah. My parents were certain of that too, and that's why I read them. <laughs> that's a good way to ensure your kids do stuff. <laughs> pretty much, pretty right. much. Yeah. guys. It's eight a.m. My microphone was backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds a lot different. This is going just swimmingly well. So, all right, Matt, why don't you give um, us a rundown? Yeah. So, as a ner- as a young kid, I read comic books quite a bit Mm -hmm. but i think looking back on it there was a a few different reasons one was while i didn't necessarily have any trouble learning to read as a kid i was a slow reader i processed the the visual slowly and so i was always that kid you know I, i distinctly remember i don't know third grade maybe where we had the train across the top wall of the classroom and every as you read you your car got to go down the train and everyone's car had already made it into the station and there was me and Jason Meekum <laughs> were barely like rounding first, you and, know. And Jason on, Meekum was a loser. So yeah, yeah. it was not good. Company. And he was probably beating me at the time. But uh <laughs> you know, I just was a slow reader. But one of the things I found uh that I did I could get into and I could read all the way through were comic books. There was a little um this is the late seventies, so I'm an old guy. Uh, and this was uh, in, in Orange County, California, Fullerton, California. And there was this, uh, like, store attached to somebody's house down the street and around the corner. And I was way too young probably to be heading out on my own to do that. But that's another story. And I'd go in there and we'd have enough. My friend Kim and I, we'd have enough money for, like, now and laters and lemon heads, But not enough to buy the comics. And the old lady that ran the place was super nice. And she'd let me sit there mm-hmm. on the floor and read the comics as long as I didn't wrinkle them. And she was a chain smoker. For some reason, I remember her watching I Love Lucy. That's probably a false memory. But it was one of those things. It was like a half the size of a normal 7-Eleven. And it was three-quarters filled with alcohol. Uh, then there was a bunch of cigarettes. And then there was a carton of milk in a in a, <laughs> a single case. And then, and then there was the, the rack of comics and, and the candy. So, you know, it's a good old-fashioned California convenience store. Mostly alcohol and cigarettes, some candy and comic books. And uh, that's where I learned to really love comic books. I would sit there and read all, you know, Spider-Man, the Hulk were two of my favorites, Batman, uh, anything that I could, I would sit there for hours and read. And then as I got older, I kind of got away from it. I think in, as I got older, comic books were kind of uh, less available in a way back in the, Mm -hmm. by the late 80s, early 90s, comic books really took a hit and they kind of went away. They weren't as commonly lost, found. Lost their cachet, certainly. Yeah, they. I, I remember, um, because I, I grew up very similarly. I uh, my, my first experiences were over at, uh, it, it wasn't Floyd's Barbershop, but it could have been, in my, yeah. in my grandpa's, uh, in my, over at my grandpa's place during the summer. Um, and I, you know, there there's lots of stories behind why I wound up with the comic books that I did and, and where they came from. But when I came, the, the 80s to that transition late eighties to early nineties, uh, I was out of the country for much of that. And when mm-hmm. I came back, um, the places that I went to, to find comic books were all gone. Right. And I started, fi- I started having to seek out stores. Uh, Dragon's Keep down in Provo was the one that I would go to all the time. Okay. Um, that just sounds like it a was cool just, kid hangout right there. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was awesome for those of us who were nerds. Um, I, and it was right next to the arcade, both of which my parents thought were That the was devil. there through the 90s, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was yeah. there up through... Uh, we left in 96. Yeah. Well, I went to college down there. 
and I remember that place. Maybe at the yeah. same college, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, any maybe. reasonable human being, you <laughs> went to school in Provo. I did. That's, it was reasonable. <laughs> it was reasonable back yeah. then. I liked Provo. It was good. It's a good town. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think there was, there's was. there been an interesting transition. You know, uh, Ryan mentioned that his parents thought comics were of the devil, and actually a lot of people aren't aware of this. In the 1950s, there were Senate hearings yes. about, oh, yeah. about the evils of comics and how they were going to destroy the youth culture. What was the name of the guy who spearheaded that? Uh, I don't oh, remember man. off the top was, of my head. I was reading about him. But they, had, they literally had psychologists on both sides of the argument mm-hmm. talking about what comics did and didn't do. And in the end, the people supporting comics and even educators supporting comics were able to convince the Senate that not only were there no ill effects, like it wasn't going to create juvenile delinquents and all of that, but actually it may help. And so since that time, there's been interest in, and more so in the last just 10 years, yeah. of actually using graphic novels and different forms of comics in classrooms to help kids learn to read. And so then I think about my experience growing up, and I, I am now somebody who reads a lot. I've read a lot of books, textbooks, boring books. And I could I attribute a lot of my love of reading to the fact that I lo- I learned to love to read through comics. Yeah. Now the first actual book I read all the way through without pictures, The, the Hobbit. Hobbit. Yep. I think we covered that last time. <laughs> um, but I don't think I would have made. And then I quickly did Lord of the Rings and started reading real books. And uh, I don't think I would have stuck with it if I hadn't learned to love to read, starting with superhero comics and then. To this day, I still read a lot of comics. Uh, Black Cat Comics, one of my favorite places my friend Greg owns at here in Sugar House. Yeah, 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 yeah. we'll be expecting some royalties. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> I know. And uh, he has, I have, I have a box labeled Matt, and uh, all my favorite comics go in there every week, and I go pick them up. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. Standing orders. And yes, exactly. Yes. So to, to this story that you're talking about back in the 50s, all these Senate hearings, um, this reminds me of video games now mm-hmm. was it a similar thing going on yeah, yeah i think it was actually are... more believe it or not more off the hook i mean yeah. these were senate these were the senate was focusing just on comic books for a period of i don't know two or three weeks i mean it was a long period of time where it was a serious debate and the funny thing about it is new entertainment mediums often rub adults the wrong way uh, and then of course politicians need to stay relevant so they have to pass some sort of law and uh, they jump on that bandwagon either for or against something. But uh, I think what we did learn back from, from that time is research is worthwhile. And so the research that's gone into what do comic books do have yielded some really interesting information, including validating people's experience growing up like myself who learned to love to read through comics or other people who actually just learned to read through comics. They may have had dyslexia. Kids with dyslexia or different forms of reading disabilities have actually benefited from learning to read the symbols or the pictures, we can talk about that in a minute, uh, and transition that into letters and words and, and written language. So it's it's a fascinating study, and in a way it's good that they made such a to-do about it in the 50s because that spurred people to do real research on what do on comic books really side. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, what to heck with a few minutes. Let's talk about this now. <laughs> okay. Um, now, one question that I've got, just for definitional purposes. When we talk about comic books mm-hmm. uh, being good for, you know, helping kids read, whether it's, you know, whether it's just a slow reader uh-huh. or, you know, somebody with dyslexia or whatever the case may be, are we talking about these 
kind of uh, stereotypical superhero comics, the ones that I never quite got around to when I was a kid, or would we lump in kind of a, a larger array of picture books, for instance? You know, anything that, that couples words with pictures. Is that what we're talking about? Um, well, the the uh, the technical term or the broad definition term is graphica, and graphica would include all of that. Um, anything from a real graphic novel to a comic strip to a serial comic book to even um, uh, a picture book. And picture books, I will say, unless that picture is done really, really well, is going to lack some of the uh, what we're talking about when we talk about a comic book that has several panels on a page and everything from the flow of the panels to the expressions of the characters to the coloring of the different panels all add to the flow and the narrative of the story. So that is what hooks people in. If you think about it, one of the um, a long time ago I read an interesting article comparing comic books to early forms of communication and writing. So comic books in some ways are not any different from other character writing. Hieroglyphics in Egypt or the Mayan glyphs in Central America actually you can look at some of that what they're you are reading pictures through through those um and in many ways all we're really doing with english lettering for example is decoding symbols right mm-hmm. i mean we we don't think of it that because it's so automatic now but but every letter is just a symbol and those symbols together we decode that and it creates some sort of sound or meaning to us um but if you look at for example like a chinese character that blows your mind but not to a chinese speaker because they have decoded that character. So in many ways, that visual uh, representation is grabbed through something like a comic book as well. All right. It changes the... One of the things that I've always... That, that attracted me to comic books was that I was able to get a better feel of motion, of, uh, of, of interaction, of, phys- of, of emotional or um, uh, intuitive interaction between characters that in a written book, in a written form, mm-hmm. would take several pages. And for my poor ADD mind at the time, sure. my ability to focus on those things was gone. It's diminished, for sure, yeah. But when I, would, when, I would watch the, when I would read through those panels, I, could, I, I remember um, being able to process an entire comic book, um, including the written story, right. in five or six minutes Yeah. Um, when I was really hooked in and wanted to see what the end of the story was all about. Mm-hmm. And... And then going back and looking at it, I would, I would, which I would do every month while I was waiting for the next issue to come mm-hmm. out, and I would look for different layers, different things that the artists had done, yeah, to communicate um, deeper levels of of information. And it was it was a lot of fun for a ki- for me as a kid, and today for me as an adult, it it continues to be very interesting. Oh yeah, I mean, you bring up a wonderful point, and that is the actual art. A lot of folks who don't understand, haven't really looked at comic books, um, assume that they are like a comic strip that you found in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And even comic strips in the newspaper, can't, like Calvin and Hobbes, the art there really lends to the story. But if you have a masterful artist who's telling a story in many panels on several pages, it, they're using a lot of different things. So uh, obviously there's the art of the character that's involved. So facial expression, that's something a kid can relate to pretty quickly. There is the context, so anything else that's happening in, you know, if there's a sword involved or, you know, whatever, you know, if there's a tall building or an automobile, all of that creates this context. But 
the coloring. So a lot of people don't realize that there are people that just color the comics. They're famous for how they color, and the the tone of the colors often adds to, usually adds to the tenor of the story, right? It does. You have deep, rich colors that might feel a little more ominous if you have bright, happy colors, and that will change from panel to panel and page to page. And and that has continued to evolve too in the medium. In the in the old days, I remember watching uh, or reading through comics that were very limited. Um, colors were ink dot, uh, right, right. In in nature, and now um, the the technology has existed to make those colors much more vibrant and much more smooth, much more even. Yeah, um, it, it's a very it's a very different comic book world now. Very different, and in fact, we've seen I think where comic books started to die out in the late eighties to mid nineties. There has been a huge resurgence because people really like them. They really mm-hmm. want them. And comic book styles vary a lot. One of the comic book styles that I encourage a lot of parents to get for their kids, so those of you who have neglected your comic book history could think <laughs> hey, about this. You know what? Stop looking at me. Our, <laughs> our sequential. So being the brilliant guy that I am, I brought visual aids to a podcast. Anyway, um, here's, here's None an of example. these pictures will be on the site. Yeah. Here's an example. Owly. Owly is a great visual art comic. Look but it up. It's it O-W-L-Y. Has, there you go. Not hard to spell. But check it out. It's actually black and white. Yeah, yeah. And there are few, if any, words. The characters don't speak. There may be a word to support an idea here and there. But I have been absolutely impressed and to some degree surprised, used to be surprised, where, um, for example, my own kids or some of the patients that come see me, I will recommend they get this. And the parents look at it and they're thinking, well, they're not going to read that. But if you look at the panels, he is a master, Andy Runton, in being able to tell a story through these simple panels. And as you read through it, it's amazing. One of the things you can do for a slow reader, somebody who gets hung up and intimidated by the words, is you give them something like this. You let them read through it. They literally do read because they're decoding each of those panels, kind of like a, you know, they're in ancient Egypt or something. And then have them come back and tell you the story. So my eight-year-old daughter, one of, you know, we read before bed. One of her favorite things to do is get one of these Owly books and read me the story. So she is now translating these pictures into actual words and tells them to me. That is adorable. That's yeah, pretty cute. Um, another, but it's also really, yeah. really smart. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it's, well, she is brilliant. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it, there are several ways to approach this. So if, if, if anybody listening, if you're a teacher or... Uh, a parent who wants to say, well, how how can I practically use this? This is a good example. Uh, start with an Owly comic. There's nothing objectionable. Owly's all about friendship and, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, the the art is masterful in the sequence of storytelling that happens. And you will be surprised if you do two things. One is what we just mentioned, and that is have your kid read through it and then go back and tell you the story. The other one is put a sticky note on each page and have them write the story. Mm -hmm. And what you've done, especially for kids who struggle with reading, teachers are always surprised that this kid now is actually writing a story, where in the past they have a really hard time just reading some simple words because they have translated, they know how to speak the language, they get hung up on the words that they have to read, but by using pictures and getting words out of the way, they understand flow, context, um, uh, and they can tell the story themselves and even write it down. They may need a little help with punctuation and things like that, 
but it's a great way to get kids to not be intimidated by words and language. I like this. Mm -hmm. This is a really good idea. I mean, my kid is nowhere near that yet. <laughs> He's still quite tiny. But... No, but you have time to start him correctly. And yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean... Well, you'd be surprised. Something like this, a very simple uh, child-appropriate graphic novel that's a, a sequential art novel, um, preschool kids, yeah. two, three mm -hmm. years old, are able to stay with some of these things and read through them and enjoy understanding the story and they can start telling you the story. It's amazing. So here's a question for you, especially as regards something like Owly, where there are few, if any, words. Mm -hmm. So I've got uh, nieces and nephews who read, and they actually read quite well. Mm -hmm. They started reading very early. They decoded these words, like you said, mm -hmm. uh, very quickly, very easily. And now, you know, they're, what, seven, six years old, five years old. Would it be beneficial at all or advisable at all for them to go back and do any of these things? Or once you've progressed, you just go, you know, go past yeah, it? No, I, it's it's actually, that's one of the joys of uh, comic books is that you don't get tired of or and you don't stop benefiting from the sequence of the art. So whether it is a traditional comic book with a lot of word bubbles and and and, and language written in there with the story or it's primarily... There are many that have few uh, words. Um, Allie has, has almost none. Uh, no, they would love it. And in fact, they, they would probably love the challenge of then writing the story themselves. So these kids that are early, they'll go in and use those sticky notes and they go to town writing mm -hmm. their own story. It's pretty cool. A lot of times, too, it gives an opportunity for them, uh, for somebody I would imagine, to, um, to start exploring different layers of um, per interpersonal interaction. Um, I've, I've noticed that, um, for, for me, when I go back and I look at things, uh, that I, that I saw when I was younger, um, especially in my comic book collection, and I look at it later on in my life, I, I see layers of interaction that make perfect sense to me now that were completely lost to me at the time. Oh yeah. And I would imagine that, that learning to write those stories, learning to, to put those pieces back together, mm -hmm. um, from a from a constructionist standpoint, makes uh, it gives an opportunity for a different level of processing. Oh, definitely, yeah. The visual processing is pretty amazing. Uh, there's a wild animal in the studio. <laughs> it's the a beast, vicious. It's the, a vicious animal. Be the careful. The beast has crossed the threshold. This is a cute dog. <laughs> Not sure how the beast got loose. So, so all right. Now, Todd, I know that you are going to need to jet here pretty soon. So, whatever thought we were just on, I have no idea. Wow, that's distracting. <laughs> I want you. You to don't have, have a older chance. children yet. It, it'll get less distracting as yeah, they get older. Say, that wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> yeah, no, not even. I, I, so, I want you to be able to ask whatever questions you came with. Um, so yeah. that uh, so that you have that opportunity. I appreciate that. Um, and then I, I I do have to I do have to jet. I've got another responsibility this morning as well. My my biggest um, the the question that I often get posed by uh, well-meaning friends, associates, my parents, um, various other individuals. Um, <laughs> Everybody is, you know, basically <laughs> that doesn't read comic books. Yeah. Um, the the question always is justify the the apparent double-edged sword of comic books that in that they introduce um, some pieces of life that we may not want people to be dealing with. We may not want children to be dealing with quite so quickly. Um, some of the comic books uh, I'm thinking very specifically about, about uh, some artists that I know that are 
uh, more sensual and in some cases sure. hypersexualized. Yeah. Um, the some of the adult themes as far as um, life and death, um, the involvement of violence, um, laid over the good and evil struggles. Right. Um, some of the pieces that we would turn around and say, no, those are those are absolutely important. I mean, how do how do you respond to that? Well, um, first of all, when uh, so interestingly enough, I'm going to be at a school uh, this coming week talking to teachers about this. We're going to do a whole presentation on it. And uh, uh, one of the things I, I want uh, people to understand is that comic books or graphic art um, is just like any other form, uh, any medium of entertainment where you have uh, age-appropriate levels. So, for example, movies, uh, we wouldn't send our um, uh, uh, you know, five-year-olds to go see rated R movies that are full of uh, sex and violence. But there are a lot of Disney movies and, and age-appropriate movies for elementary school-age kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, so so it's uh, a lot like anything else. Uh, we lost Todd, by the way. See you, Todd. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot like anything else, whether we're talking about movies, video games, yeah. regular books. Right. You know, it's the parent has to know what they are providing for lot, their child. And a lot of parents, I think, have the introduction to comic books like you were mentioning for yourself, which is comic strips. Right. And so there's this mistake that uh, comic books are just for kids, just for kids. And then they'll see an adult content comic book and they'll be surprised and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I can't let my kids read comic books, which is kind of the same as saying I can't let my kids play video games or watch movies or read any books or listen to any music. Well, it's kind of like uh, South Park when South Park came out or The Simpsons for that the matter. Simpsons, yeah. The reason it was so shocking is because, well, this is a cartoon. Cartoons exactly. are for kids. Mm-hmm. You can't be doing things like they that adult in a cartoon. Humor and, yeah. And, yeah. So that's the first thing I tell people is, yes, you, you do need to, just like any responsible, like this is the funniest thing. And we live in a state, man, where it's all family and parents and kids. And this really bugs parents when I say, well, have you sat down and played that video game with the kid? Why would I Why play would the I video game? That? That's- you know, I mean, you, if you 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 want you need to expose yourself to the entertainment that they're having. So, for example, walk into any store that sells any comic books, or even a Barnes and Noble, and walk over there and look at the graphic novels, the comic books, and get a feel for the fact that um, even superhero comics may have adult or older teen themes that you don't want your younger children reading. But both of the big two, DC and Marvel, have. All of their comic book characters uh, for in two different realms of publication. The uh, Marvel has one, you know, for the Marvel kids, and you have for younger elementary school age kids, but you still have all of your Marvel superhero stories going on. And then you have more of the the teen and young adult version of those stories that might have more violence and some sensuality. Um, and and that's something that's important for parents to understand. Yes, I yes. mean, amen. For example, <laughs> what I've brought today, literally I grabbed off the table as I was leaving. These are just laying around my house. We have Owly, we have Bone, B-O-N-E is a great story where the, the art is amazing. If you look at, at how the colors pop, Todd was talking earlier about how color adds to the story. And now you're introducing, Bone is maybe for a middle elementary school age kids and a little bit older where they've added, um, you know, a lot of word, a lot of text to uh, accommodate the pictures. Uh, And then another thing that uh, parents don't understand is comics are really starting to do a lot of crossover, which pulls kids into reading. Kids who don't normally like to read, but they like other things, 
are finding things like, here's my little pony. Oh, now, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Craig's going to be like, can you leave that here for me? <laughs> um, but quite honestly, look at, I mean, if you like the My Little Pony, if you were a fan of the cartoon, uh, this is a great way to introduce a kid who likes to watch the cartoon mm-hmm. into reading because it is it is fantastic. The colors and the art is really amazing. The stories are just as good as the cartoon. I know Craig knows all about my Little Pony. Are you a brony? I'm not. Oh, I, no. I have okay. no idea what's going okay. on here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he looks nervous. He's really um, good at selling that line, but I've yeah. seen his collection at home. Or um, kids who want to enjoy stories but maybe aren't quite at that reading level, but they're older siblings or friends are reading things like Percy Jackson and the oh, Lightning Thief cool. has been adapted to a, a graphic novel uh, for younger readers version. See how... Even in this one, we have a lot of panels that have no words, and they're telling the story. And uh, some, you know, a younger kid who the reading level of Percy Jackson might be a little beyond them can still get into the story of reading because it's something cool that other kids are doing. So cartoons, movies, uh, video games have even been adapted into uh, comic book format. And this is a great way to encourage kids to read more. And they're reading... They, and that this is another concept that's a little hard to wrap your mind around. They're reading the sequence of the of the art and the story as well as the words. It's both. And so one of the main benefits kids get from uh, reading comics is an increase in reading comprehension. And Re- is that the end goal here um, to increase their reading comprehension? And, and, and so I'm, what I'm getting at is getting away from the pictures. Is the goal to help them to graduate, so to speak, to the text only? Or is it really uh, just to, I mean, yes, they will do that, but yep. to appreciate both the um, pictures and the words? I think the goal basically is to learn to love to read. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids don't. We also, um, kids are growing up in a in an era where everything is kind of quick, fast-paced, easily accessible, you know, sound bites and, and, you know, apps. And we, it, it is in a way becoming less common for a kid to sit down and read. On the other hand, we have more opportunities to sit down and read with Kindle and iPads that you can carry around a hundred books in one hand now, um, which you couldn't do before. So learning to love to read helps, um, kids explore their entire world. So I don't know if the goal is necessarily to increase reading comprehension or to graduate <clears throat> to just text, but I do know that um, that will naturally happen. Um, while you may have a person like myself who still loves to read a comic book because of everything I get out of it is more than just what you get out of the, the text. Now, some people have such a visual creative mind and they really relate um, well to the um, the text. For example, if, if somebody's reading... I don't know if you guys like uh, fantasy books, but... <clears throat> I've, I've uh, heard of this. Yeah. But when you read a fantasy book, what's your experience visually? It's You know, it's funny that you bring that up because this is um, where I, I think I'm a little bit different than... Not other fantasy readers. I think many people share this quality. But, for instance, my wife, who you know doesn't give a rip about fantasy mm. and i think the reason you guys is got that married huh well, <laughs> okay. um when i read a fantasy book so we're doing the mistborn series right now this is a great example um i am a slow reader like you were talking okay. about earlier mm-hmm. not that i you know not that my brain isn't functioning it's that i take you process I, take, I process the words mm-hmm. more slowly because 
if I do that, pretty soon the words have disappeared. Mm-hmm. I've decoded it like you're saying, mm-hmm. and I'm more or less watching a film mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the pages of this okay. book. Does that make sense? Sure, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, it does not happen with every book. It takes a very, very skilled writer mm-hmm. to be able to do it. Sure. Somebody whose prose is uh, is is um, above par. Professor uh, Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, he would not. I mean, in some instances, yes. But for the most part, he's actually, he's a poet at heart. And so his prose, it kind of grabs you yeah. and takes you out of that yeah, visual. Yeah. But I, I would think of like Harry Potter. Harry okay. Potter's a great example for me of uh, uh, J.K. Rowling, the way that she writes. I never get interrupted by the words, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking, oh, that's a great turn of phrase. Oh, what a what a great word to yeah. use there. <laughs> right, right. It, it just flows very, it very nicely. Paints a nice picture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so in my in my head, I'm not reading words anymore. I am... I am sitting with these characters. Mm-hmm. I'm fighting the dragon. I am, you know, staring down Voldemort, whatever. And so what what you said is really interesting, and this is what a lot of people say, and they'll they'll use what you just said as an argument against comics. They'll say, well, isn't it better, isn't it healthier to, to create that visual all on your own, in your mind, um, and not be influenced by the artist? And I will say, not better, but that is fantastic, and that's a wonderful experience. I Hopefully we've all had that experience where... You've just kind of lost time when you're reading a book because you're into not just the story but the whole visual. You've created the whole thing. And then a year later you see the movie and you're like, that's not how it's supposed to look. (laughs) Um, But that's a great experience. However, what you said is also interesting in that I think what you meant was that works on certain um, authors and certain types of books for you. So it's what we call a goodness of fit. When you find that fit, then it's that wonderful experience. But it sounds like you've read lots of books where that fit wasn't quite there. And you may have enjoyed the story, but you had to plow through it a little bit more. You didn't really get the whole visual, the whole entrancement in, in with right. the, the storyline. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That I think we've all read books that we liked, but... But like, didn't love. Yeah, didn't, didn't love. Um, I will say the Game of Thrones series, I love the visual that I get from reading those books. Have, have you... I've, I, I'm a watcher. You're I'm a watcher. Not, not so yet you're all reader. visual. Uh, it's a bit of a commitment, <laughs> um, but I have read through all of those, and I love, uh, in a, maybe a similar way that you described Harry Potter, what it does for my visual, but then there are plenty of other stories um, that you just can't get that in. Comics are different in that any good comic, I well, I, I start with the art. For example, one of my favorite, I am a devoted um, Mike Mignola and Hellboy Universe fan. Mm, okay. I read everything. Love it. But that started with me um, poking around and, find, and seeing the art. Mignola's art's very unique, and of course he's had other artists work on his series, but that's what attracted me at first. And then, of course, I love the paranormal stories and all of those sorts of things. Um, and that combination, I, I can't wait to hear, because he writes a masterful story. He really does. But then the art really enhances that, and I really enjoy getting into that. So kids can have that same experience every time instead of hoping they find that good fit. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those kids that didn't find that good fit for a long time, and then it was periodic. You know, Because of my being a slower reader, I think I wouldn't stick with things long enough to quite know if it was going to be a good fit for me. Yeah. Now, here's a question that just popped into my mind. I'm really, I'm really shifting course here. Um, when we talk about story, 
these the visuals or you know when i'm talking about harry potter or game of thrones right. we're telling this story um there are many readers especially adult readers who who never got into stories right. if that makes sense they they read a lot of nonfiction, maybe you know maybe a biography here or there mm-hmm. but it's a lot of um a lot of non-fiction stuff so they read but it's not they the read story. but it's not that mm-hmm. story and and they can't so they look down on science fiction fantasy mm-hmm. right these you know superheroes whatever it is because i don't know i don't know well, why I, I don't presume to know why exactly but there are different reasons but, but yeah. yeah is is story important for the development of somebody's not just reading skills but kind of life skills are are comic books helping there uh, is that is that one of our goals here is to learn to love story? I th- well, I will say that uh, I think story is one of the most important things in life. And I could look at that from a literary point of view, I can look at that from a psychological point of view or just a human point of view. Story is what we seek. So there are people that don't love to read the stories the way we might like to read them. They they do read the technical books and biographies are a bit of a story perhaps if it's well written, but that sort of thing. But if you think about the idea of something like uh, mythology and the hero's journey and how story is full of representation and archetypal images that help guide us and we connect with these things and inspire us in our own lives. I had this conversation yesterday with there's a, a young professional, young executive guy, works for a big firm, is really struggling, uh, came in and said, you know, I've got finally got my dream job right out of college and I'm making tons of dough. Yeah, it's stressful, but I knew it would be, but I'm just not happy. And when I put his, at first I could tell he was thinking, because this is the first time I met him, and I wasn't quite sure how to approach it with him because, you know, he's he's kind of an intense, you know, CEO type kind of guy. And uh, I decided, I don't care. I'm just going to do it my way. So I said, well, have you ever read or watched Lord of the Rings? He looks at me like, oh, geez, it's one of those guys. (laughs) And so I've never, I've never experienced that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you haven't. And so we start. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, come on, man, I have a serious problem. What do you, you know? And uh, I said, no, no, hang in there with me. And we talked about the hero's journey and how uh, one of the main things that he was struggling with is he was living in a city by himself, and everybody at this big firm was kind of in it for themselves, and he doesn't have a Gandalf, a Dumbledore. There's no, there's no Yoda. He doesn't have, and he, and when I put in the context of he is his hero in his hero's journey, and we went back to those stories that he had read or watched as a kid, his eyes lit up. He was like, that's exactly right. And by the time that that hour was finished, he had this game plan of how to take that pattern that we literally see or read in a story and apply it to his own life. And it made sense. And the last thing he said to me, and this is the honest truth, is he said, I'm going to go home and watch Lord of the Rings. And he left. He was very excited. So he and I'll follow up on his plan. But the point is that that's a human experience, that going through life and comic books bring that in many different ways to us. They don't have to be mythology comics. The superheroes are basically a modern mythology for the most part. But that idea of connecting with different characters and stories, whether it's just a written novel or a comic book, inspires and connects people to their own life's journey. And for a child to start their life with that kind of knowledge and understanding and encouragement and hopefulness is a, a great place to build resiliency when they're still young so that when they get old and life gets a little bit harder, 
they're able to kind of persevere and push through. And they may not have Frodo on the front of their mind when they're doing it, but it's kind of deep down, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. I mean, this they're, they're definitely uh, those images, even though I, I kind of live and breathe them now through the podcast and, and other ways. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just at the forefront of my mind. Like you say, it's very, it's yeah, very deep down. it's just kind of down. ingrained. Um, yeah, it's, it's how I approach life. For period. those uh, students of psychology listening, if you want to kind of refer back to uh, the collective unconscious and Carl Jung, and he talked about how human beings have this collective connection through this unconscious connection that spans time and space because we're humans, and you can decide to believe in that or not, but uh, that's his idea. <laughs> and his, his thought was that through story is how we connect and communicate with other human beings across time and space. So I can read the Odyssey and get from that story what was maybe written directly for people <laughs> thousands of years ago, but it still applies to my life today. And so human beings, I, that's why I would say story, narrative, is one of the most important important things in life because it connects us and Ag- inspires us agreed yeah ryan you're awfully quiet over there anything you want to i know this episode is like you know the one that ryan's not in but in <laughs> <laughs> um actually i find that there's been a few times in my life where having a story or something in my mind or something that i pull back on has uh pushed me through something um sure uh, in some cases very very physical and obviously we were actually uh, quite a few years back, I was, I think it was when we were about 14 When you or were just a lad. 14 or 15, I believe. Maybe we were 16. Um, oh, is this a we story? Yeah. Is this a mania? Oh, well, this is a more than we. Um, oh, okay. We went on a 50-mile hike. Oh, yeah. Now, if any of you know anything about me, have ever seen me, at, just imagine me at like, you know, at- 75 pounds soaking wet, trying to backpack <laughs> through um, the Grand Tetons, and how miserable an experience that would be. Um, but I had just been reading the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time series, and I was walking along with one of my other friends uh, with my backpack on, and I, he was just complaining and whining and everything, because apparently that's the, what the two of us did most on that trip. <laughs> that is a fact, <laughs> you people. <laughs> but we were talking, he's like, I don't know if I can do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I turned to him, and I said, you just need to try and be like one of the Aiel. And he'd been reading the series as well. And the Aiel are these people that can run for hours on end. And uh-huh. and we just kind of channeled that story piece. And it got us through the next go. piece. So nice. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It reminds me. It's the imagination piece you were talking about with the last time Matt was here. Um, with, uh, you know, you're walking down the street and you see a bird and it's actually a dragon or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. So one of the reasons I... I the question I will get a lot is, well, you're a clinical psychologist. What, you know, why do you talk about, write about, encourage people to read comic books? It seems a little silly. And hopefully people have gotten a little introduction from our conversation today uh, about the fact that there are many different types of comic books. And comic books have evolved like every other medium in that they're more complicated and more varied now than even 20 years ago by far. There's a variety of comic books. You have wonderful sequential art comics. You have black and white comics. You have comics that use color in a way that you will be surprised how much it adds to a story. There, um, there is uh, the, no- the graphic novelization of many classic novels nowadays. I think I might have mentioned last time my son, who has Tourette's and, uh, and uh, ADHD, has been a lot like I was as a kid. He, he hasn't 
had a problem necessarily with the mechanics of reading, but the ability to stick with it when you have eye ticks and inattention has been a real challenge for him. But he has been able to get through some amazing novels that have been turned into graphic novels and understand the entire story. He can pass any written test on these books if the, if he's gone through the graphic novel version and he'll stick with the whole thing, including something like The Hobbit. The Hobbit is not necessarily an easy read. It's an easier read than The Lord of the Rings. But for a kid who struggles with reading, you, you there's quite a bit of detail there. It's a lot of attention. It really does. And um, that was his first experience with taking a real novel and reading the graphic novel version um, and uh, being able to enjoy that whole story, understand the whole story. Um, there are places like um, Comics Alliance and other foundations that are promoting the use of comics in a variety of different ways, including in specific academic subjects, math, science, um, history, where they're using uh, a, a graphic format to teach those concepts. And guess what? Kids who I would have really benefited from that math because, man, I hated math. <laughs> and it was, you know, just annoying to have, you know, get a C plus. I'm good, man. Just get me through the stupid class. And uh, by you'll be surprised what a great artist can do in teaching concepts that we wouldn't typically think would be a good fit for something like comics. So um, if I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a, a parent who who is listening to what you're saying and going, mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, this is maybe a really good idea mm -hmm. for our family. Now, if you walk into your Barnes & Noble or your average comic book store, yeah. I imagine... You know, if this isn't a world you've been immersed in before, you're going to be pretty lost. What do I? Yeah. What do I go find? Yeah. What's, um, you know, what's going to be age appropriate for my kid? So my question is: Are there resources out there? You talked about Comic Alliance. Uh, you so, know, are there places yeah. online people can go to talk there about? There are. Here's what's going to be good for you. Yeah, yeah. You, um, I'll give. I'll throw out a few websites and I'll give a few suggestions. So, Comics Alliance is one. I can't remember if it's a .dot com or what, but that's a nonprofit organization that can. Uh, point you in the right direction comicspedia.org i believe and uh, readingwithcomics.org all three of those are um, driven by educators who um, have a variety of different collections of resources and can point you towards age appropriate uh, types of comics uh, so that's a good place to start i uh, if you go to your average barnes and noble you're going to find a lot of graphic novels no serial uh, comics and that's okay, but it'll be primarily the, the, the basic, you know, superhero stuff and, and then other adaptations like Star Wars or things like that. And so as a parent, if you're just going to pop into Barnes & Noble, that's fine, but you'll need to spend a few minutes kind of looking through them and finding what is appropriate for the age of your child who's doing some reading. Um, uh, but a better step might be to go to a local comic book store and talk with the person who runs the place and just say, hey... I'm new to comics. Um, I'd love to get my kids into comics. Most of the people that run these stores, that's their passion. That's their life. And they will, they're like a walking encyclopedia. They'll be like, oh, well, you want to start with this. And they'll say, what is your kid into? And they'll know how to direct you for the most part. Um, those would be great places to start. But on the other hand, you can just start as a parent and say, well, I know what my kid likes. They loved the, uh, the Avengers movie. Okay, so let's start with some Marvel comics great place to start and then let's move on from there awesome um ryan any further questions because i've exhausted all of mine uh, matt any 
parting shots. No, I, I guess my question for the two of you is: It sounds like I'm the comic book reader here in the room because Todd left. Now that Todd's gone, yeah. Um, so uh, after this conversation, are the two of you at all interested in reading comics for yourself or being guys who are really into literature? Do you honestly feel like, well, but they're comic books? Ryan, no. you want to go first? Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually have. Um, I'm not a, an avid comic book reader because a it's never been something that's really been a major option for me and or something that's really caught my attention. But being that it is Satan, right? Well, growing yeah. up, it was. Um, I'm I'm curious. What what was there like? Did your parents explain that more? Like, why was it so bad? It's it it was a they had a very strong aversion to the adult themes that they that you find that you can find can in find, there. Yeah. So yeah. it was a lot of what okay. we talked about earlier. That misunderstanding, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's there's quite a bit of that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm still working through it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if your parents let were it like, go, man. Let it thought go. it was like Spider-Man or Heavy Metal. Those were the only two options or something. <laughs> let me put it this way. When I admitted to my parents, when I told my parents that I was listening to um, rock and roll, when I was listening to uh, oh. X, the local X96 station, oh, yeah, um, yeah. I probably could have told them in the same sentence that something like, you know, I'm gay or something like that. And it probably would have gotten about an equal reaction. Okay. Of just, so they just what's all going on here? Stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, Should I tell you the story about when I got kicked out of seminary for writing Aussie rules on the side of my Bible? Oh, Should I tell you that story? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, Had to have a conference with Dad on that one. <laughs> I think Ozzy would have burned that Bible, by the way. Ozzy would. He would have high-fived me first. So. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway. Um, my first, I think, um, my first real in, uh, integration with a comic book um, someone handed me a Teen Titans graphic novel, uh -huh. yeah. and I looked through it, and I was really, I, I really enjoyed looking through it. Yeah. And since then, I've had a couple other. I've been handed Nightwing a couple times, and Nightwing's cool. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed it there. Um, for me, uh, comic books is something that I'm developing more and more of an interest in as I've been going along and picking up one here and there to look at. Yeah. And it's something that I will probably introduce my child to, um, assuming you know I can convince the wife it's a great idea. Um, well, I mean, if your wife were to see something like Owly, mm -hmm. and if she were to look at that and say, oh, my gosh, that is – it's cute. That is adorable. It is adorable. It's – and if she were to understand – if she were to sit and read this herself, I think she would get the point that, oh, we can actually help our child learn to read at a younger age in a more sophisticated way by starting with something like this – than starting with a little picture book with words. Mm -hmm. Because words are a little intimidating and have to be decoded through skills that the preschooler has not learned yet. However, a preschooler does have the skills to decode these pictures. Facial because, expressions. Yeah, facial that. expressions, context of action between characters. And so your kid could be a superstar reader by the time they hit school if they start with something like Owly. Mm -hmm. There's your argument. Got it. So, so for me, I uh, to answer your question about whether I'll pick up comic books, um, yes, I want to. I haven't yet. <laughs> now, here's here's the thing. It sounds like we're trying drugs for the first time. I want to. I really do. But <laughs> just, I, I just know. don't. I just don't want a bad I, trip. Yeah, well, you know. If I, yeah. I think that's funny. I've actually heard someone say that uh, once you read your first the first comic book, yeah, he gives out a comic book for free. <laughs> I do. So well, it's kind of a gateway thing, you know. I hook you with the the cute alley books, and then pretty soon we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing reading Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, so I historically am a literary a hole. 
I this is a, a very accurate description. <laughs> I can't think of one any much better than that. I, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of a jerk. I remember. Um, well, actually, it goes back to that that first um, story when, when my friend handed me the Lord of the Rings. He uh-huh, said, "Here, uh-huh. read this. You'll love it." I was mm-hmm. 15. I said, "The Lord of the Rings. That's the stupidest title I've ever heard." <laughs> Take your trash back, and I, you yeah. know, I'm going to go read something awesome like the Sword of Shannara. You know, <laughs> whatever it was. But you know, because I got started so early on on more sophisticated novels, you know, things like Michael Crichton. I was reading Michael Crichton when I was like nine or 10 years old. Yeah. You know, I very quickly developed this attitude of kid stuff is for kids, right. you know? And so I am still trying to get over that. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I can, I can even remember as, as recently as a few years ago, arguing with people about graphic novels mm-hmm. and, you know, what their, what their worth is. My mind has been very much changed in in the possibilities that that I will accept, but I have not yet jumped into yeah uh, to comics. So uh, yes, I want to. You're overcoming will. your prejudices. Yes, I, I, I am like working that. on that. Well, for example, one of the one of the main final messages I want to make sure you two understand that I'm going to challenge you, but uh, that is that expand your mind beyond superheroes. In fact, the the largest area of of graphic uh, comics and graphic novels. Growing today it doesn't have anything to do with superheroes. Superheroes are a big part of comic books, and unfortunately, that's what people generally think of. But when you th- there are graphic novels out there that really will challenge you, and you will realize, oh my goodness, I am really enjoying the whole experience of reading the picture as well as the words and the flow of the story. And a lot of um, authors and artists are challenged by that, and so you you it does the medium nowadays does attract some pretty talented folks. So my challenge is, I think the two of you need to go online and search graphic novels based on your interests already. Whatever your reading interests are, go online and start searching you know, mythology, fantasy, whatever it happens to be. Um, even some of your favorite novels, see if they have been put into a graphic novel format. I know people who love the so what you said is what a lot of people say. I've read the Song of Ice and Fire novels, you know, the, the Game of Thrones novels. Um, many people say, well, I just watched the show. <laughs> and I'll say, why don't you go read the comics? And they'll say, there are comics? And I'll say, yeah, you can go grab a bound trade paperback and you can actually read the story. And it's uh, another fun way to enjoy that story. If you like the TV show, you'll like the comics more. They're not particularly sophisticated in their writing, uh, but in a way they, they do capture the essence of the entire story. They're pretty good. Uh, I would say both of you ought to go online this weekend, search your your already existing reading interests and graphic novel and see what you come up with, and then choose one and try it out. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yes, I accept. (laughs) Throw down the gauntlet. Well, good. Um, Should we call it, Ryan? You, we we good? You have any other burning questions? Um, we are out of here for this week, Matt. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I've been excited about this one for a few weeks. So good. This good. is good. Um, next week, Mistborn is the plan. That's on the schedule. We're continuing. Uh, next week will be book two, at least part of it. Yes. Um, we haven't yet arm wrestled to see if we're doing part or all of the Well of Ascension. I need a week more of push-ups before we can arm wrestle. <laughs> but one way or another, we are going to... Can I interrupt right there, yes. though? I ha- um, we w- There is a new therapist that works in our clinic, and we were talking over lunch one day, and she said, well, one of the things I really like are fantasy novels. I said, like what? And she named a few, including Mistborn. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you got to listen to... 
the legendarians. Yeah, so you, you guys do. have, you do have a new fan. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, this is a shout out to you, whoever you are. <laughs> Carolee is her Carolee. name. Carolee. We really like you. Thanks for listening to Legendarium. You're really great. <laughs> no, no. What was that? <laughs> it's it's that 9 of, o'clock in the morning. That Ryan's struggling. Fell, that fell out of my mouth. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Word vomit. Um, after the Well of Ascension, let's see what else do we got. We got to cover Star Wars Rebels. If you have not yet watched the first episode or two of Star Wars Rebels, for heaven's sake, do it. Find a way. You can come to my house. I have it on demand. Um, I'm sure your wife will appreciate yes, that. Yes, I'm sure. Of people knocking at the door. We're here to see rebels. So no, seriously, go watch it. Uh, we're what gonna time have, can I come over? Um, whenever you want, man. Okay, right after this. Whenever, yeah. I, I've got it right here. I'll load you it. Up. Make me some pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll. It's either that or soccer. Take your pick. Um, and uh, we'll be covering that with Todd and Ken. I know that they're passionate about that. So let's uh, let's call it for the week, and we will see everybody a little bit later. And by see. I mean talk at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going back to bed. Have a good week, guys. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com. 